Hi, Pastor Thomas here, and I wanted to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for tuning into our messages here at Conway Baptist Church. Sometimes it's hard to thank God, but God asks us to do it anyways. Still, He doesn't ask us to do this without reason. Our God is a good God and is working all things together for the good of those who love Him. Our prayer is that this message impacts your life. If it does, let us know by going to conwaybaptistchurch.com and click the Connect tab and email us to let us know how God used this message to influence you. Why do we thank God as believers on this earth? I'll tell you something. Growing up, i got to just confess something to you. I didn't really like Thanksgiving that much. Okay? Just let me get that on the table, okay? I didn't really like it that much. It wasn't like Christmas. You know, as a kid, it wasn't like Christmas. You didn't get all the gifts. So I didn't get what I wanted sometimes at Thanksgiving. It was, it was food that was, eh, like, that's how I felt about it, okay? You don't get an Easter basket in Thanksgiving. Now, you guys are going to hate me for this, but I was not a big fan of turkey. I was not a big fan of turkey. Stuffing's like, it wasn't that great to me either. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Thomas, how could you live like this? Now, I've grown up. Okay, so give me some slack. (laughs) But I think as you grow older and more mature, of course, you realize that you actually have a lot to be thankful for. Thanksgiving specifically is a holiday that is not about what you get. It's actually about giving. It's about giving thanks You know, some things that we're thankful for that we should be is food on our tables. We all know this. The cliche, we should be thankful for a roof over our head. It's true, though, isn't it? Have you guys ever been to another country where they don't have roofs like we have? You know, on my mission trip to Haiti, this is just a tangent real quick. They literally, they had a roof over the head, which is something to be grateful for. But there there was openings in the side. It wasn't even, the walls didn't even completely go up to the top of the ceiling. They weren't even fully enclosed in the orphanage that I stayed at. We have so much to be grateful for here. We have food on our tables, roof over our head. More importantly, we have family and friends that we could have spent time with. As you get older, this is what you start to think about in Thanksgiving. You, you care less about the food. You care less about what you're getting. And you care more about what you've been given. Younger me, I focused on what I didn't have, okay? Now me, now... I'm trying to focus on what I've been given already. What if we all as families went into Thanksgiving with this attitude? Maybe we wouldn't get into so many Thanksgiving fights. So let's challenge ourselves. Nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to thank no matter what. I'm going to thank. Thankfulness is interesting. I want us to think about this idea of thankfulness today. Thankfulness is a gift of God to you. Here's the crazy thing about thankfulness. When you do the right thing and you're thankful, it feels good, doesn't it? Sometimes when you do the right thing, it's hard and it doesn't feel good. And I don't think you should do the right thing just because it feels good. But thankfulness is one of those things that when you do it, it does actually feel good. But here's the catch. You cannot be truly thankful and selfish. These two things don't mix. Thankfulness automatically takes your eyes off of yourself and places it on something else. So think about it. When you complain, what are you thinking about? What you don't have. Who are you thinking about? You. When you think, what are you thinking about? Not you anymore. 
You're thinking about something else. You're thinking about someone else. Thankfulness takes your eyes off of you. It's a gift of God, and it makes you feel good too, so why wouldn't you want to do it? Thankfulness automatically takes your eyes off yourself, and it places it onto where it belongs. Incomplete thankfulness. You guys, you guys see this at Thanksgiving. Maybe you see it at Christmas or whenever you give a gift to someone who's a little spoiled, right? You see this. They might give the response, you know, no, I am thankful. I just wanted this instead. Well, isn't that annoying? You know those people in your life who can't just say thank you. Don't they annoy you? Is that who you want to be? I don't want to be that person. But you know, then you see the the person who's completely thankful. It's not spoiled thankful, but someone who's genuinely thankful. And you give them something, and they say, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Or maybe you do something nice for them, and they genuinely say, thank you. Which one of these two people is the right way to be? Which one demonstrates genuine thankfulness? The one who's only halfway, yeah, but, or the one who's genuinely No, thank you. I didn't deserve any of it, but you gave it to me anyways. You know the world's problem, our problem? We complain. We complain an awful lot. We say things like, well, or we think things like, well, I didn't get my way. I didn't get what I wanted. And so you know what happens? We start to whine and we start to complain. Oh, but I wanted it this way. You know what we're doing when we're doing that? We're being annoying. Nobody wants to be around a whiner. Do you know what the world's solution, though, is? It's like the world doesn't get it, though. The world will say, go out and get more. The solution to you not having is you finding more. It's, it's fill up your tank completely. Always seek number one. Look out for yourself. Step on whatever toes it takes for you to get to where you need to be. You do you, right? That's the idea. Our world is so used to getting that it thinks that it deserves what it gets. And here's the thing. We don't deserve it. And when the world doesn't get what it wants, it gets mad. How do you respond when you don't get what you want? What is your reaction when you don't get what you want? Let me be clear today. Let me just be clear to you. If something is good, we don't deserve it. Let me say that again. So maybe you think here, no, I do deserve what I have, and it is good, and I worked for it. It was my hands. Here's the thing. Let me say this again. If something is good, we do not deserve it. Let me explain what I mean. Everything that is good in our lives is provided for us by God. His providential hand has put you where he's placed you so that you will receive what you have. His hand has blessed us, and the only proper response to his blessing and the good things in our lives is thank you. Thank you, God. Well, that's not fair. Why does so-and-so get such-and-such, and and why don't I get this instead? No, 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 no. We don't get what we deserve. Every good thing is, is a gift from God. We say thank you. So why do we thank God? We thank because when we deserve the consequence of hell, God has extended his grace. Think about that. What do you deserve? Just ask yourself that question right now. What do you deserve? If we were to get what we deserved, we'd get eternity separated from God. That's what we deserve. 
But God gives you grace by letting you stay here on this earth for a short time, extending his hand of salvation to you. He gives you grace two ways, one on earth and two in salvation. He lets you continue to live, like I said, and to have good things while you're here. And finally, while you're here, he extends his saving hand. And while you're here, he extends saving grace to you. And he gives you what you don't deserve if you would accept it. And like I said earlier, if you don't know Jesus, at the end of this sermon, you will have a chance to accept salvation for yourself. To come into the faith for real. To have a heart that's transformed from complaining to thanking. An inward focus to an upward focus. A focus where you're trusting in your own hands to a focus where you're trusting in God's hands to provide for you. A focus that says, no, everything that I have, I provided to. No, I realize now that everything I have is a gift from God. And that if I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be here right now. Are you complaining or are you thanking? Look at how Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, expects a believer to look on this earth. So you call yourself a believer? This is what he expects you to look like. He says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, he says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, did you guys receive Jesus as Lord in your life at one point in time? Yeah, you did, okay. So then, just as you received him as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith in which you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. When we live our lives in him, when we're rooted in the faith and we are, we are grounded in what we've been taught and we are trusting in Jesus, do you know what happens as a natural reaction? You know what happens? We overflow. It comes into an overflow of thankfulness. Well, maybe it's not a natural reaction, but it is a reaction, I think, that is going to show if you're genuinely focused on the things of God and you got your eyes on him, how could you not say thank you? When you know what you really deserve, when we, when we understand that we're sinners who deserve an eternity apart from God, and yet God has still graciously provided for us here, we look to Jesus and we say, how could I not say thank you? Let me put it another way. We talked about this last week. Do you remember? Is Jesus your everything? And you say, yes, Jesus, I'm thankful for you. You are my everything. Is everything enough for you? What is it called when you have everything and you want more? Isn't that called being spoiled? Or being greedy? But if Jesus is our everything and we've accepted him into our lives and he is the Lord of our lives, then we have enough. Is everything enough? Or do you want more? Oh, we have so many reasons as believers to give thanks to God who's provided us everything. So just as you received him as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Notice that thankfulness is not forced. It's an overflow. What is causing the overflow? It's the finished work of the gospel on your behalf. When you realize for real that you didn't have to do anything for your salvation, that Jesus did everything, the only thing left for you to do is praise God. You can't offer anything to God left. He's done it all. He paid it all. All to him you owe because he's done it all. It's finished. He hung on the cross and he said to telestai, meaning it's done. It's a Greek word for it. it is finished. And when he says it's finished, it's finished. 
The only thing left, the only sacrifice you can give left is the fruit of your lips, which is going to be praise to Jesus, worship to God. Not boasting in yourself and what you provided, but boasting in Jesus and all that he's done. Imagine if you got before God one day in heaven and you said, but God, look at the things I did. Well, who would you be worshiping then? You'd be like, well, I'm really taking some of the credit. But to God be the glory, right? Remember we just sang about that. To him be all the glory. He gets it all. Even the good stuff in our lives that we thought we did was a gift from him. To him be all the glory. In the book of Revelation, you see the elders surrounding the throne of God. They have crowns on their head that they've been awarded. You know what they do? They take those crowns and they cast them at the feet of Jesus. To God be all the glory. The trophies we think that we've gained, really we couldn't have had unless Jesus provided them for us. It is all because of the work of God. And so we say thank you to him. Which brings me to my first point. We thank God because Christ has done all the work. Just imagine if you had to do the work for your salvation. One, you wouldn't get to heaven. Two, it would be so difficult. You just wouldn't be able to do it. And God has taken that burden off your shoulders and he said, no, I will do all the work. What I expect of you is this. Trust me. Live by faith. And so we see in Romans 1.17, the righteous will live by faith, not by works, but by faith, by trusting in the promise of God. Do you trust in his promise? Well, if the answer is yes, the burden is gone. The burden is not on you to finish your salvation. The burden is on God, and he's got big enough shoulders and big enough hands and strong enough arms to hold you all the way into the gates of heaven. Isn't it good to trust in Jesus? Doesn't this sermon make you want to thank God more? I hope so. Christ has done all the work. Colossians 2 verse 8 talks about people who are trusting in themselves instead of Christ. This is what it says. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, philosophies of this world that don't depend on Jesus. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. According to this verse right here, we are supposed to be depending on a person. Jesus is not merely an idea. He is a person that you follow. Henry Blackaby says it this way, Christianity is not a bunch of rules to obey, it's a person to follow. And so we get so caught up in the traditions of this world that we forget to look at Jesus, the person we're supposed to be in a relationship with. We get so caught up in the basic spiritual principles of this world, we get so caught up in the deceptive philosophies of this world, when the only philosophy is not wrapped up in some abstract idea, but a person that you can have a relationship with that you're called to have a relationship, that you are made to have a relationship with, and a person who came down out of heaven to die for you so that you could have a relationship with him. A person who did all the work and asks you for one thing, your faith, to trust him, to take him at his word. He's taken the burden off of you. He's done all the work. Are you following Jesus? Tradition, rules, power, none of these things make you a Christian. Christ makes you a Christian. 
So see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. If you think obeying rules or tradition will save you, that's not Christianity. You'll never get into heaven if that's what you think. Let me say it another way. If you think going to church will save you, if you think being good will save you, you don't understand Christianity. You don't go to heaven because you obey rules. You go to heaven because you know Jesus. And Jesus has already done all the work. and He's done it on the cross. He paid it all. Do you know him? When you hear his invitation here right now, is he calling you to come to him to really know him? If he is, don't resist in your hearts. Maybe you do know him. Maybe you're a believer, but you've been starting to listen to some hollow philosophies, and you're like, man, you know, I, I really, I'm trying to do good, but I just can't do it. You know why you can't do the good you want to do? Because the hollow philosophy that you're listening to is, is empty. It's, it's hollow. It doesn't have the power to strengthen you. It doesn't have the power of God. Only Christ does. And if you want to get out of what you're going through, if you want to actually have a philosophy that works, you have to trust in the person, Jesus Christ. The one who can actually fill you. The one who is not hollow. The one who is not deceptive. You have to depend on Christ. You have to know the person. You have to get to know him in personal relationship. How does your walk with the Lord look? When you're at home, are you spending time in the word of God? Are you spending time in prayer, praying for your friends, praying even for your own life and saying, God, I need you in this. I need you to strengthen me. But we have so many reasons to thank Jesus and we, we miss out on opportunities all the time. But if you know that it's a person to follow, if you know Christianity is wrapped up in Christ, if you trust him, then God's got something for you. Let's go on to Colossians chapter 2. I want to read verse 8 again as we go into this next section. Well, rather, I'm going to keep going, actually. So remember, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So we thank God because Christ has done the work and we can lean on him completely. But Thomas, you know, I just, I feel like I'm not in control sometimes and I feel like I don't feel full all the time. I don't really feel like I can get through it. This brings me to my next point. We also thank God because we are full in Christ. I don't care how you feel. The reality of the situation is this. Whether you feel full or not, Christ has brought you to fullness. Well, Thomas, how do you know? It's what the scripture says. Colossians 2 verse 9 says this. For in Christ, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now listen, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. What does that say about you? It says whether you feel like it or not, you're full in Christ. Look at that. Verse 10 says this, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority, even your feelings. He is head over those things. If it's a power or if it's an authority on this earth, he is the head over it. He is in control of it. He is over all, and you can trust him. The God of all power sits above all power and has authority enough to say that you are full in him. So start believing him. Start trusting him. The Bible says this in verse 11, it says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. 
Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Now we're going to break that down in just a few seconds. But I want you to notice this. Who's doing the circumcising here? Now you think, wait, what circumcision? What is God doing to me? Uh, No, he's circumcising your heart. He's taking the flesh off of your heart. But who's doing it? Is it you? It's Jesus Christ himself. Not done by human hands. Not done by tradition or philosophy, but by Christ himself. His work in your heart. Are you letting Jesus' hands get into your heart to change you? Notice this verse says, in Christ you have been brought to fullness. You are full in Christ. And in him you have everything you need for life and godliness. So sometimes you might not feel full. Maybe you feel like you just can't get through the sin you're going through. You have the power of the God of all authority and power living in your heart. You can get through it. You can get through whatever you're going through. It's all there. My wife and I, when we got married, we went on to a honeymoon cruise, and it was awesome, right? And on that cruise, you get provided basically everything. Obviously, you can add perks and things of that nature, but basically, it's all-inclusive. It's all-inclusive, and you get on that boat, and you can go to the buffet and eat whatever you want, or you can sit down at a nice dining table, and they can feed you there with some really great courses. And the cool thing, by the way, if you ever go on a cruise, is you can actually ask for more than one meal, okay? So say you're on the cruise and you're like, yeah, the steak looks pretty good, but the lobster looks good too. Bring them both out. They'll bring them both out. That's how awesome a cruise. Okay, so just a little plug. I'm from Miami. I got to do it. It's all inclusive. And I don't think we realize that our grace is all inclusive as well. You couldn't do enough to be saved, and I think we get that. But you also couldn't do enough to stay saved. You need the grace of God in your life to help you work there. And you think, well, Thomas, I just can't do it. You have the grace of God in your life. And according to this verse, you have been brought to fullness in Christ. You can do it. You maybe don't realize it. Maybe you haven't read through the brochure enough or or read the website enough to see all the perks that came with your salvation. But that doesn't mean it's not there. How silly would it be if we went on to a cruise with a sack lunch knowing that everything was provided for us? Well, I just feel like this is what I got to bring on here. No, it's all provided, but we do that in our faith with Jesus Christ. We bring stuff on. We say, I think I need to do this, and I think I need to do that. God has provided it all for us. In Christ, we've been brought to fullness, and he gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. So what do you do? You don't look to your own hands to try to be more patient. You look to God to give you strength, strength that's there. The God who is the head over every power and authority once again lives in you. You can be patient. Why? Because you have been brought to fullness. So the mature Christian is going to start to be who he or she has become already in Christ. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, That if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The Bible says right here in Colossians 2.9, In Christ the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. 
So you might think in your mind you can't, but that's your sack lunch talking, okay? Because in Christ, it's all inclusive. It's all already there. You can. You have the strength of God in you. What do you need to do then? You need to work it out. You need to bring it out. How do you do this? How do you get this out of Christianity? How do you actually work this out in life? You might say, God, give me strength. I don't feel full, but you have fullness in Christ. Remember, you might say in your mind, God, give me wisdom. I don't feel wise. But here's what I want you to understand. You actually have the wisdom of God living in you if Christ lives in you. How do you get to the place where you show this virtue, God's joy, his peace, his patience? How do you get to this point? Well, first, you have to make an effort. But not an effort to do more work. You have to make it an effort to die to yourself, to stop working. Die to your own work that's not good enough. And then you have to make an effort to work out his work. Let me say that again. First, you have to make an effort to not work in your work. I can't do it. Well, you can't do it. But then, secondly, you have to make an effort to work his work. Well, how do I work his work out? His work is working on your heart right now. And if he lives in you, the God of the universe lives in you. If you work out your strength, you're never going to do it. But if you put your strength on the cross and you say, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, then you'll be able to say like Paul, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you crucify your passions, Jesus Christ guarantees a resurrection. And that life in you is going to be strength enough to get you through whatever you're going through. It'll be strength enough to get you through whatever you're going through. You might think, well, right now I could really be angry. Have you guys ever had that temptation? You're like, man, I could really be angry right now. Here's what I want you to do with your anger. Put it on the cross. Jesus says that if anyone wants to be my disciple, he needs to die to himself daily. Pick up his cross and follow me. So what do you do when you know that God wants you to be patient, but you have anger in your heart? You crucify the anger, and then you trust God to provide the patience. And here's the thing. If God lives in your heart, you know he's patient, don't you? So work out his work. Work out what he's working in your heart. Bring it to the surface and crucify the you part of it so that Christ can show through you. And what happens when Christ shows through you? Then you show as the body of Jesus. Then you start to look like him. You start to look like his hands and feet. He is the head over every power and authority, but here you are on this earth as his body. So people look at us, and what they should say is, I see Jesus there. Why? Because collectively, corporately, together, we all are many members, and we make up one body together. The head of us is Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal. I'm not your main pastor. In fact, my job as a pastor is to say, stop looking at me and look at Jesus instead. I point you to the main shepherd, the head Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to do with you. That's what you should want to do with each other. When we get disconnected from the head, we start to worry about what we want. We start complaining. We start arguing. But when we start looking to the head, we start thanking. Because we don't get what we deserve. We get grace. We get grace. So we thank God because Christ has done all the work. We thank God because we are full in Christ. Now listen. We thank God 
because Christ is triumphant. So the Bible says your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Whose hands were you circumcised by? Your hands? No, it was the work of God in your life. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Our faith is in his working, not ours. The burden's not on you. That's something to be grateful for. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed every power and authority, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Christ is triumphant. There is no power or authority that if you are in Christ can stand against you. If Jesus is triumphant, you are too. You're not just a conqueror. You are more than conquerors through him who loved you. Christ is triumphant. Put off the flesh. What does this mean? What does putting off the flesh look like in your life? And you're like, Thomas, that sounds really hard. I got a lot of flesh on me. I got a lot of natural self that has these desires, and they're sinful. I don't know what to do with them. This is what it looks like according to this passage. It means this. Go to God for forgiveness. We scare ourselves, and we think that I need to do more in order to put off the flesh, but that's not what the Scripture says. It says, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. How did he do it? He forgave us all our sins. How, how do you get the circumcision with the hands of Jesus Christ? Not by you working more, but by you accepting the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And he gets his hands into your heart, and he changes you. This is hard for the world to understand because you have to believe something. You have to believe something not natural, which is something that you can do, but supernatural, something only God can do. The gospel is about God changing your heart, not you changing your heart. You cannot change your heart, but God can. To put off the flesh is to be forgiven. Our putting off the flesh looks like Christ putting off the flesh for us. So what does this look like? I come before God and say, God, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I believe in your cross. And then he gets his hands in our hearts and he changes us from the inside out. And then... After this moment, when we've asked for forgiveness, we deceive ourselves if we think that we can't get over it anymore. Because on top of putting his hands in our hearts and circumcising our hearts, he puts his life in you as well and strengthens you, gives you the ability to do what you couldn't do. If Jesus commanded you to do something, do you think you could do it? In one sense, you might think, yeah, of course I do, because it's Jesus, right? In another sense, you might say, well, I've heard the commands my whole life, and I, I, I'm terrible at doing them. Receive it as a command from the Lord, and you'll be able to do it. How do I know this? Let me finish on this point today. When Jesus was walking on water on the Sea of Galilee, Peter saw him from a distance. They thought it was a ghost at first. But then they realized it was Jesus. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. 
And Jesus commanded. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on water. And as long as Peter's eyes were on Jesus and Peter trusted Jesus, Peter was able to walk on water. Notice the command came from the mouth of the Lord. And Peter received it as from the mouth of the Lord. And as long as it was received as from the mouth of the Lord, Peter was able to do what the Lord had commanded him to do. If God is commanding you in Christ to come to him, listen. If he's commanding you to get out of sin, listen. When you get your eyes off of Jesus, just like Peter, you know what happened in that story? He got his eyes off Jesus. He starts looking at the wind and the waves, and he starts to sink. And Jesus grabs him, though, and pulls him up. And the beautiful part of this story is they walk back to the boat together. I want you to understand that before Jesus came along in the history of all mankind, nobody ever walked on water. And now in the course of one day, you have two people walking on water. And you might be thinking, well, Thomas, I've been sinning for an awfully long time and I just can't get over it. I've never been able to get over it. I've never walked on that water, so to speak. Well, if Jesus is commanding you, come. You will be able to because he strengthens you. Get your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at the hollow and deceptive philosophies. Don't look at the traditions of man. Look at Christ and he will empower you. Come. You got this, because God's got you. And even if you fall, he will catch you. Let's pray. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. And we are so grateful for what you've done. We know we don't deserve any of it. That all of it that's good in this world is because you provided for it. Even the hard stuff, God, that we go through, we are thankful for because we see that it is working in us perseverance and strength in you, Jesus Christ, and you are working maturity in our hearts to be more trusting to you even when it's hard. Thank you for everything, God. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you've been coming to church your whole life. Maybe you know about Jesus dying on the cross for your sins. But if I were to ask you, do you know God personally? Not just the philosophy behind it, not just the tradition behind it, but do you know Christ? Are you depending on him? You would honestly be able to say in your heart, Thomas, I don't know him like that. I want to invite you to come to know him because in Christ you're brought to fullness. In him you have power and in him alone. Come to Jesus. Come to a personal walk with Christ right now. If that's you, say a prayer of surrender right now. In the quietness of your seat, say this to Jesus, a prayer of surrender and salvation. Say this with me right now. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died for me, and I ask you to save me. Forgive my sins. Thank you for your life. Be my savior. Be my friend. I will follow you as your disciple. In Jesus' name. Amen. Did this message draw you closer to God, or did you pray to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior today? We want to hear about it. Let us know by going to conwaybaptistchurch.com, click the Connect tab, and send us an email telling us about what God did in your life through this message. Thank you for joining us for this message from Conway Baptist Church, North Carolina.